Play is a natural stress reliever for kids. That's one of the ways they actually work through stressful situations is through play, through unstructured play, through pretend play, through imaginary play. They use that as a way to sort of process their emotions. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 240. Today, we're talking about coping skills for kids with Janine Halloran. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. A Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years and the creator of the Mindful Parenting course and membership, and I'm the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back. I am so glad you're here. So good to connect with you. Welcome. If you are new, welcome. And this is a great first episode to listen to. Good for you. Love it. So good. Um, I'm so excited. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Janine Halloran. She has been working with children and families for 20 years and author of the best-selling Coping Skills for Kids workbook. And this episode is all about, you know, these are stressful times. We're living in stressful times with this global pandemic and kids are feeling it. And so how do we help kids cope with stress, anxiety, even anger? So in this episode, I talked to Janine about strategies for kids to deal with all that life throws at them. And we're going to talk about, you know, how we, we underestimate the power of play as a stress reliever for kids. And we're going to talk about three easy grounding techniques for anxious kids and how kids really can only learn these coping skills when they're calm. So you are going to get so much out of this. This is going to be a great episode for you to listen to, to help your kids get through this stressful time. Before we dive in, I have a few exciting things that are going on. If you want to dive in deeper, if you want to work with me, I have some ways. I'm having the free Mindful Parenting free live training coming up. It's live from September 9th, September 9th, 10th, 11th, and then on the 14th. And you can join and you can get them recorded. If you can't make it live, they'll be up for a few days afterwards. But you're going to learn why your kids don't listen to you. We're going to talk about how to stop yelling. We're going to talk about parenting during this pandemic, what's special about this time and how to approach it. And then we're going to talk about three myths that keep you from being the parent you want to be. And this is a powerful live training. There's already hundreds and hundreds of people signed up. It's so great to do this together as a group and to really dive into this learning. These are the fundamentals of mindful parenting. And then the Mindful Parenting course will be opening. We only open it for a few days, a couple times a year. And it will be, the doors will be opening on September 14th through September 17th. So just the 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th of September 2020. Sorry, people in the future. <laughs> um, so you should definitely check it out. Get on the wait list. If you haven't already, we do have a 24-hour early bird um, option. And then the other great thing I need to tell you about before we dive into this episode is that I'm already talking to people about my Mindful Mama 
transformation coaching group. I'm going to do a coaching group. And so what this is, is say you decide you want to take it beyond the podcast. What, ha- what ha- happens for most people is then they, they join the membership and they start to learn all the principles of mindful parenting. And if you want to, then some, some people want to then take it deeper and to get more personal attention and work with me a little bit more deeply on not only the things we do in mindful parenting, but more personal development work as well. And so that's what this Mindful Mama Transformation Coaching Group is all about. And we are, it's just for six women, really small. I keep it really small in purpose. Um, I know other people who do groups and they're a lot bigger. I like to, I really want to have a lot of personal interaction and I really create strong relationships with my coaching group members. It's really a powerful uh, experience. And that is, we are going to be starting on in October. So we are enrolling and I'm starting to talk to people now about enrolling in that. So if you are curious about that, want to know more, go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash group coaching. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash group coaching. And then the free training is at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. Lots of stuff. Oh my gosh. You should be able to look um, wherever you're listening to the podcast in the notes section and get a link to the free training. And maybe we'll put the group coaching in there too. So yeah. Those are the things that are going on. If you want to take it deeper, want to work with me personally, I would really love that. I would love to connect. It's uh, an amazing. Um, I feel amazingly blessed to be able to do this work so intimately with so many cool mamas um, and papas in the in the um, membership. We had a great um, in the accelerator group. I worked with a mom and a dad for their five coaching sessions. The Mindful Parenting Accelerator is, I have a few spots open for people who want to do the Mindful Parenting course, plus have five additional coaching sessions. And I've done a lot of them with moms and dads together. And it's so cool. It's so great to see the different perspectives and to hear people talking, thinking about things in different ways and coming together and really improving their family life all around. It's really so cool. So, okay, that's enough. Those are the things that are going on. It's all at mindfulmamamentor.com. I hope you'll join in. I hope I'll see you there, get to connect with you. And now let's dive into this episode. Janine, thanks so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Hunter. Well, dear listener, you've, you've missed the part where Janine and I like discovered a potential mutual friend that she went to in, that she knew in high school. Shout out to you, Alana, in Boston Latin. Um, but I'm so excited to talk to you because you really specialize in, in coping skills for kids. And so I'm kind of curious about, I mean, I'm always curious about like, what, what's the story? Like, why do we get into this work of helping people to parent? It's, it's like really unusual work, I think. Um, but I'm just curious about you, like what, what kind of brought you to this work and, um, you know, what brought you to this work? 
So, oh gosh, that is, it's kind of a big question. I, for a long time, I wanted to be a teacher. Like growing up, every time people would ask like, oh, what do you want to be? I want to be a teacher. My mom was a teacher. My dad's an administrator, was an administrator. He retired. Um, And so that's what I thought I always wanted to do. But I realized I didn't want to be in the classroom. I really liked one-on-one and doing like small group. And the other thing was that I had a phenomenal therapist when I was a high schooler. She was amazing. She was incredible. And I had such insight and I knew so much more about myself and I found it really helpful. And I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. (laughs) So then I decided that's what I was going to do. So it actually sort of started from that experience where I had, where I had another person, another adult in my life who was really supporting me and listening to what I had to say and helping me figure out my coping skills. And so I went to grad school like a good little girl (laughs) and got my master's degree. And then I started working with kids and teenagers and one of the things that would always come up is like, well, how do they deal with these feelings in safe ways and healthy ways? Like I was working with really challenging populations and, you know, in grad school, they tell you a few different things that you can try that are really helpful. But then it comes to a point where you're like, and this kid is like knocking stuff off of the table. So now what do I do? Like taking a deep breath is like, that's not happening right now. So what can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's sort of where it began, um, where I just started gathering what did work, what did I notice worked, what did my colleagues say worked with their kids, what did my clients say worked, um, doing research, doing some reading, and just compiling and compiling and compiling all the different coping skills that throughout, you know, all the time that I'd worked and all the people that I'd worked with and all the colleagues that I worked with, what were the things that helped? So that's where like the sort of beginning of the coping skills checklist and the coping skills for kids workbook started, you know, it Mm -hmm. all sort of started organically. And I kept looking for the book where I could find all these coping skills. I was like, I really need this book, this fantastic book that has all these different (laughs) strategies in it. And I just couldn't find it. And so my husband one day turned to me, he's like, why don't you just write it? Can you just do that? Instead of talking about (laughs) looking for this like imaginary book that you really can't find. And so Mm -hmm. I did. And so Mm -hmm. I just sort of spiraled from there, grew from there. Yeah, yeah, I can I can totally relate because like with the the mindful parenting course and I was like I was like I'm I want these things for how to lower re- reactivity and I want these things for how to communicate and no like they're not together anywhere. What you so okay, I'll put them together. Um I can I can really relate to that. So so it's great like seeing that need and how, how about your own parents? Like how about your own upbringing? I mean, what were you know, you discovered these coping skills from this therapist. Um, Did you discover, you know, maybe as you became a parent that you had to kind of unlearn some unskillful things and and then learn learn some new skills? Oh, absolutely. Um, We did not growing up talk about feelings at all. That was just not something we talked about. Or if you had really big feelings, you had to learn to like not show them. So it was really... Um, different going to, like, honestly, a therapist and going to uh, college and grad school talking about feelings all the time. Like that, I feel like I do that constantly. It's just talk about feelings, right? Um, So I sort of had to unlearn that. But what I did learn growing up was how to manage feelings in a way that was safe. So 
and, and healthy. So my mom has always been a crocheter. It is her way of dealing with the world. You know, there are some people who like totally get knitting and tot or totally into quilting. She just hearts crochet. So that is what she does when she is stressed out, when she is upset, when she is overwhelmed, when things are really tough. That is her go-to. And honestly, it's one of my go-tos now too. She taught me how to do it when I was younger. And then um, I still continue to do it. The other thing is, you know, I when I got older as I went through college and I waited a while until we had kids. And so I'd been working as a therapist for a while once I first started having kids. And then I was like, oh my, this is very different than what I've been <laughs> thinking and saying to parents. And I'm really sorry. Um, and, so, and you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. that, there's one piece of it where you're like, I'm in the work, I'm doing it. It makes sense. And then you have a child and you realize how little control there is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that is, that was, again, sort of shifting for me in my work, but also I wanted to make sure that we talked about feelings. We talked about emotions when we were growing up. So we watched a lot of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood and a lot of PBS where they're talking about emotions and Nick Jr. where they're talking about emotions. We're reading a lot of books. We read a lot of books. They're bigger now. They're middle schoolers. We don't. <laughs> it's a different sort of world when they're middle schoolers. Um, but we read a lot of books. And my sister actually complimented me because she said, you know, they talk about their emotions all the time. They're, they like sit and like if they're having a problem, they're like, but I feel this way. And this is why. And it bothers me when. And like, the other one will be like, but this is my feeling. And I think that's valid. Basically, I think that's valid too. And I just don't know what to do. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So she was like, I can't believe they could just talk through their little emotions all the time. I'm like, hey, we started when they were little and they will let you know when something makes them mad. So. <laughs> That's amazing. You guys had name it to tame it down pat in your oh, family. Yes. We, and we still do. We still, we, and we still talk about it. And, we, and I try to practice what I preach when I'm working and talking with my kids to be like, I am frustrated right now. I am exhausted. I am tired. I am over COVID. <laughs> like all of it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so, yeah. So we're in the, the, the pandemic where it's like crazy. I, I remember thinking like, as I was recording some sort of special getting, you know, rushing to get some special podcasts for like in the, in, you know, April and, and just being like, Oh my gosh, we got to talk about this pandemic. Who would have thought it would be like the summer and we're still in this and still talking about it. And it, it, it's, that's one of the reasons why I thought it would be amazing to talk to you about the coping skills, because there's so much going on. Not only, I mean, the pandemic is enough, you know, like it, it's enough that like our kids can't maybe can't go to school, maybe are going to school, maybe going to school with masks, maybe have to like end certain relationships with friends, may have not seen certain friends that were their friends for in six months because of what's been going on. And then maybe you live in like Portland, Oregon and the world is like going crazy or, you know, it, there's so much happening. Um, so, you know, what are you seeing as far as what kind of first of all, what behaviors kids are exhibiting as far as like responses to this. Cause sometimes, sometimes I feel like we're like normal, like this is just normal life now. And so we have this expectation of our kids like that they should just be 
kind of in sort of a regular a mode of being because this has become so normalized. But I think we've got to check that expectation, right? And kind of really give our give our kids some some slack and and lower our expectations in some way. So I've talked a lot about this, but tell tell me what you're seeing as far as what's what responses are happening in kids. So I have seen it's it's so interesting to see how different kids respond, you know, and I I think it depends on the day. What I found with my clients and with my own kids, it depends on the day. Some days they can manage it, some days they're like, this is not so bad. Some days it is really hard. Some days you just want to cry. Sometimes they do cry. Sometimes, you know, my clients get upset because something is happening with a friend. And it's really hard to fix friend issues as a teenager when you cannot see each other face to face. It's really challenging. Um, I've seen, you know, kids having a hard time just with the anxiety of trying to, you know, if they are starting to go out and are starting to go to some camps where if kids get too close, Mm -hmm. then they're like trying to figure out how to back away, but not be like perceived as rude, but like just trying to socially distance, you know, in Massachusetts, we've been pretty good about keeping social distance, about wearing our masks, about doing all that. But there is, you know, depending on who you're talking to, which family is, you know, how people are interacting, it's very different, you know? And so some families feel okay being a little bit closer. Some families don't. And, you know, are what if you're friends with everybody who's cool with being together, but your parents aren't? And so then you can't go out and hang out. And that's really challenging and just trying to find that balance. I, you know, it's interesting because I've also seen some of my kids actually, when it first happened, my clients, I saw they actually responded very well to in-home schooling, to being remote, which was, I mean, I had several of my clients actually say like, oh my gosh, of all of the people in our house, they transition the best Hmm. (laughs) to remote learning. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, So I can't say that it's all bad, but I've also um, seen some regression, you know, kids Mm. who are acting out in ways that they haven't acted out before, or it haven't, you haven't seen that behavior from them in a while. And I think you're right. I think we have to give them a little bit of slack. I think we need to give them grace, give ourselves grace, because this is weird and strange and unusual and not expected. And we have no roadmap. You know what I mean? Like there's no roadmap for a pandemic that is of this scale in nature along with everything else that's going along in the world. So, it, you know, just to be able to give ourselves, some, cut ourselves some slack, cut our kids some slack, I think is huge. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, it's, I find, I see in myself the behavior I see in a lot of my clients, which is like, sometimes I want to control my kids because every the world feels so uncontrollable and I have to kind of be be aware of that and check my check myself. So I really wanted to talk about some of the coping skills for first we're going to talk about the coping skills for stress and then we'll talk about anxiety and then we're going to talk about anger because there's some some issues with that coming up. But in general, kind of most of us are a little bit stressed with this. And as adults, I know that as adults we need to model taking care of our stress. We need to pay attention to our stress levels because as your stress level in just general goes up, then you're more likely to flip out at your kids. You know, that's probably the easiest way to slow down your yelling, by the way, dear listener, is to just lower your overall stress levels as best you can with sleep, exercise, all those good things. But what what can we do for kids? Um, what can we do for like little kids about stress? How do we talk them to them even about stress? 
I would actually, I know this sounds kind of weird, but I think we should be playing. Um, mm. I think we should play with the kids. I think we should allow them some time to have some unstructured play. Play is a natural stress reliever for kids. That's how mm. one of, that's one of the ways they actually work through stressful situations is through play, through unstructured play, through pretend play, through imaginary play. They use that as a way to sort of process their emotions, get it out. And they can, they tell you stuff when they play, you know what I mean? You'll see, you know, they'll play and they'll put masks on people because they're working through mm. that. They're mm. working through, you know, having to be distant. They're work and they'll talk to their animals or their little dolls or their little guys. And they'll have the conversation and they'll start having them have conversations. That's powerful information, but it's also really helpful for them to just sort of process and work through all those emotions um, just by playing. And I know it sounds sort of silly and but it, a play is powerful. And I think we underestimate the power of play a lot, that it really does make a difference. I, you know, people keep saying, what do you think we should do when the kids go back to school? Um, how do we think we should manage it? And I said, when they come home, they need time to decompress and they need time to play. Like they should not, like they've been wearing masks all day, at least in Massachusetts, they'll, be, they'll have worn masks all day. Um, and it's going to be a lot. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be overwhelming. They just need to decompress. They need to come home, have a good snack and just relax and if and you know maybe take out some cardboard maybe make up a, a comic book you know just different ways of encouraging their playfulness their creativity their imagination so that it helps them manage their emotions stay tuned for more mindful mama podcast right after this break we are supported by braddock face masks. My 13-year-old daughter went on a scout backpacking trip a week ago. She had to bring a bunch of face masks. They hiked 15 miles and she took the Braddock face masks and loved them because they are so, so comfortable and they're dry wicking. They actually feel really, really good to wear. My whole family has been enjoying them. And now that we need so many masks, if your kids are going in person anywhere, then this is a great place to to get them. They have bulk kids masks, whole bunches of them that you can get. You can click over to Braddock USA and see these adorable pictures of the owner's little daughter wearing these face masks. They're so cute. You know, the thing about the masks, you know, we may not like to wear them, but we have to, right? We want masks that we can breathe through. We want masks that are comfortable. And now this is the only face mask that my family and I wear. I want you guys to listen closely because you're going to get 25 5% off your masks when you use my promo code, but it's only for a limited time. These are unlike any other face masks because they feel good to wear and they do this by using premium upcycled fabrics that are super soft and breathable, plus they're moisture wicking. So if you're hiking 15 miles a day, you can deal with it and they keep your face nice and cool. They're machine washable and they hold up after dozens and dozens of washes. You heard me use that word upcycle. So what is it? Those are brand new existing fabrics fabrics that they repurpose for their masks, reducing waste and materials, and less waste equals less harm to the environment. They're making these right in LA, US made masks. So 
Go check out their website, braddockusa.com, and you'll see they already have great prices, but for a limited time, we're going to hook you up with an additional 25% off with the promo code HUNTER on your first purchase. So that's 25% off your entire order. So get a bunch of them, get like packs of them for your kids so you can wash them every day, especially if they're going to school. 25% off your entire order for the rest of the summer with the promo code HUNTER at braddockusa.com. That's B-R-A-D-D-O-C-K-U-S-A.com. Now, would you recommend a parent who may be worried that their child's like, having trouble dealing with kind of the stress of all this, do some things to um, sort of facilitate specific play like that, like put a mask on the stuffed animal and say, you know, we're going to the grocery store or whatever you're doing. Yeah, I think that's a great way, um, especially for littles, uh, mm-hmm. for the little ones to be able to start having that conversation. And it doesn't have to be this long, drawn out conversation. I think that's the other thing that people get a little bit freaked out about. Like if you open this can of worms, how do you get it back in, right? Um, but sometimes all it is is just a quick little check-in. You know, oh, I'm noticing that there's a mask on. Gosh, I wonder. Um, and just seeing what the kid does with it. And they may not say anything else about it but it may be something that they talk to you about in a couple weeks or a couple days. It might come up later, but yeah, absolutely. That's a great, just having that be part of some of the stuff that you put out for just creative play for pretend play. You know, I, I know I used to like when my kids had their kitchen and they had their like doll hospital, you know, if, if the, my kids were that little, I'd put little masks out and see what they do with them. That's a, that's a great idea. My kids totally had the doll hospital too. I remember the like epic stuffed animal hospital cutting into the stuffed animals too. (laughs) But yeah. Okay. So, so, so open up the door there, but don't, this is a middle path thing. Like don't, don't go super heavy handed, let them lead the way, but open up the door and provide some of these things that they're seeing that are new in the world, like the masks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And talk with them about, you know, if, if they have to go back to school and, you know, if they have to be in the school building with a mask on, if they're a little bit older, you know, what's that going to feel like? What's that going to be like? You know, what are the positives? What are the negatives? You know, how can we work through this? You know, just having the conversation. It could, I mean, I've asked my kids and they're older, they're in middle school. Like, what are you, what are the things that you're looking forward to about school? What are the things that are challenges that you think might happen? What would you like school to be like? You know, and just having them start that dialogue with me. And it doesn't have to last long again, either, either at that age, but just knowing that you're open to having the conversation is huge for them. Okay, great. Yeah. My kids and my kids are in middle school too. So I will ask those conversations. We, we have already started having those conversations and it's just about, we're, we're trying to create an open dialogue, a space to process those things. And for a little bit older kids, maybe elementary, middle school teenagers, it's going to be more like a conversation. For little and little ones, it's going to be more like play and narrative and story. It's kind yes. of what I would imagine. Great. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So that's kind of stress in general. We want to invite kids to play. Do you encourage little kids um, using any, or, or even middle and elementary school kids using any kind of specific stress relieving things that like we adults do. Cause I know a lot of people are really interested in meditation for kids. You know, if adults are meditating, they're really interested in that maybe even as a bedtime relaxation stories and things like that. Do you re- recommend that as stress relievers for kids? 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, if you want to introduce mindfulness to your kids, the best way to do it is as a family, yes. you know, so you can start all together. I know, you know, this, <laughs> you know, this, I'm sure you preach this all the time, like just to start it as a family, it's so powerful and it doesn't have to take long. You know what I mean? Like it just can be a few minutes where you're just doing some something in a mindful way, taking a mindful walk, eating a mindful snack, you know, just general generating some of those mindful activities throughout your day and, you know, making sure that they get some movement. I think that's super powerful too, for another, as another stress reliever, getting some walks, getting into nature. If you can, you know, watch, even like if you can't get out, making sure that you're like maybe looking at the national parks, you know, visiting them from a distance from remotely, you know, have a plant in your home. And, and, and so we want to be able to offer our kids these these places these ways and and strategies to calm down to practice that and to show them the model that in our own lives but also kids yeah like they need that exercise and rough and tumble play i imagine is another great stress reliever for kids right i remember you know reading about that ages ago in in Lawrence Cohen's book about playful parenting and and just do and then you know saying hmm, let me try this out and just you know, go ahead and say, okay, try to get past me. And like having this sort of rough and tumble, like wrestling match with my girls on the floor. And it was so fun. Like we did that, you know, we've done that number of times. Um, and, and yeah, and everyone is like feeling good, happy, and just a little bit more relaxed afterwards, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's something really, actually kids learn more about self-regulation in rough and tumble play because you have to learn how to stop. You have to learn what's too far. And you do that with the rough and tumble play. And I know it's really hard at, in playgrounds and at school when you have kids and especially now, like that's going to be like, you know, you can't do that, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Although, I mean, it's going to happen. Like as a former person who worked in a school, it, I mean, I, I can see where all the masks are going to go, where, like, where the, I see the trouble spots already as many people and teachers and educators have pointed out. But I think rough and tumble play is huge for kids um, and movement and just even being able to have some outdoor time or movement time during recess is huge. It helps them reset their brain so they're ready to learn. So they're not going to be able to get, and that's something I hadn't thought of, like they're not going to be able to necessarily get that touch, physical human touch from their friends anymore. So we as parents can try to, to you know, step into that place and like do some of that rough and double play and like say, tag, you're it and run, you know, and that's good for us too. We need the exercise. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Too many chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> yes. Comfort cookies. Uh, <laughs> all right. So what about anxiety? What are some signs that are, are, what are some signs that our kids are worrying about this a lot? And, you know, this is something I personally do that. I have one daughter who's more prone to anxiety and I, I think, okay, am I paying attention to it enough? You know, am I, you know, what's going on? So what are some of the signs we should look for that our kids are starting to feel really anxious about what's going on? I think if they start asking you a lot of questions and needing a lot more reassurance than typical, like if they are really, like they keep asking the same question over and over and you think you've answered it, but then they keep coming back to it. So it's like one of those like uh, perseverations, like they mm. just can't let it go. And so that's going to be something that we need to pay attention to and then be able to talk back to the anxiety and just, and let them know like that this is an anxious thought. This, you don't have to believe every thought in your brain. And 
we are going to figure out the steps that we can that we can take in order to do this and then you need to tell your anxiety to stop to like sort of depersonalize the anxiety is mm. actually it's a great strategy just so it's not it, then it doesn't become about the kid it becomes like the anxiety is something separate that you're both trying to manage and tackle together um, if you're seeing super big changes in how much they're sleeping and eating if they're talking more about like psychosomatic complaints like their body hurts and there's nothing medically that you can find uh, that is of a concern, then those are some other like sort of things to keep in mind about anxiety. And maybe that's what you're seeing. Mm, okay. So we want to depersonalize the anxiety and then the physical complaints. When, when do we worry about what are some of the signs that we need to bring in some outside help if there's anxiety? If it's, if it's starting to interfere with their life, like if they're not able to go outside, if they're not able, if there's, if there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen in order for something, in order for them to participate, if it's becoming to a point where it's like really interfering with their activities of daily living, as we say, um, that's where you need to sort of start reaching out. You can reach out to your pediatrician, reach out to your insurance insurance company to see who is covered in terms of um, what sort of therapist you can see. Um, A lot of therapists are working remotely, so I wouldn't give up on the fact um, that you can't see a therapist because it's COVID. A lot of therapists have converted to remote therapy. I am one of them. I mean, I was doing remote therapy beforehand, but my kids, my clients I was seeing in person, I've switched them all to remote. And it's sort of surprising because you wouldn't think that it would work with like 10 year old ADHD boys. Totally does. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. You just have to be a little bit creative with it. A little bit. Um, it, it looks different. Absolutely. But you can still have that connection with them. You can still make that connection and start getting some support and start getting some good places to begin. If you um, want a great book to start with, if there's um, worry about anxiety for upper elementary, um, early middle, um, Don Hubner has a great book, What to Do When You Worry Too Much. Hmm. I love that book. She talks about worries are like tomatoes and they grow really big if you feed them. And so she has several strategies in the book that you can just read along. And it's perfect because you can, as a parent, you can read along with them and do the strategies with them. It's not like a book that you read all in one fell swoop. You can just take it in chunks. So what strategy, what coping skills do you offer an ADHD 10 year old boy (laughs) who's seeing his therapist remotely? Well, we actually, I, I honestly can do a lot of playing with them, on, mm. <laughs> which we, you just have to be a little bit creative about it. So we've played Battleship and that is, so huh. the way that I talk to kids is I play with them and then we have conversations while we play. Um, so we played Battleship. Uh, so one of, they um, have Battleship at their house and I have Battleship at my house. Um, and then we both have our own little individual Battleships, but we can still play. Isn't that cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's, a, you don't have to worry about anyone peeking over the little plastic partition anymore. <laughs> Actually, one of them said that to me. He's like, there's no cheating. You can't cheat. I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's true. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things is, you know, you want to make sure that you're practicing some different strategies. So practicing deep breathing when you're anxious. So you can still practice deep breathing on um, video. So I'll say, like, put your hand on your heart and your hand on your belly. And I want you to move your belly out and breathe in and move your belly in and breathe out and let's do it together. And so 
you know, and let's talk about when this is a good strategy for you to use, when you're starting to get upset, when you're starting to get worried about something. And, you know, if you're worried about grandma, let's write her a letter. Let's, you know, let's have a conversation about the things that you are worried about. So let's figure out what we can do. Let's figure out safe ways that you can see her. Um, let's talk to mom about maybe can you do a Zoom with grandma? You know what I mean? Like, so it, there's a lot of um, strategies you can still try online. Not everything requires a prop. And I'm a girl who loves her props when it comes to therapy. <laughs> I love slime. I love, you know, like tactile things. I love all stuff sensory, but you can still do stuff like teaching deep breathing, talking about grounding exercises, keeping you like sort of in the present moment as opposed to worried about the past or worried about the future. Um, really focusing and paying attention. I do a lot of mindfulness with kids when we are um, talking about anxiety. You know, I, those are all things that kids can do and you can still do it remotely, which is really cool. That's pretty neat. So what are some grounding exercises that, you know, can you just talk about that a little bit more? What, and, and things that parents could maybe help their kids with? Absolutely. So it's um, sort of a way to stay in the present moment and to, you know, if kids are having a really big moment, like they're, ha they're very overwhelmed, sometimes it really helps them to just focus on what's happening in the room right then. So a, a simple grounding exercise you can do is have them name a particular color and name everything in the room mm. that that's that color. You know, so name all the green things that you see, name all the red things that you see. So they have to be paying attention to what's happening around them. Um, you can do the, have them, if they're sitting on a chair, you can have them uh, pull up on the chair. This is sort of like, it's sort of grounding, but like also just a sort of technique that they can use, like a movement technique. They pull up on the chair for 10 seconds they push down on the chair for 10 seconds with their hands and then they let their hands dangle down for 10 seconds. Hmm. And kids report that, that, you know, that helps them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something, you know, um, kids always want something that other kids can't necessarily see or don't, hmm. don't make them look weird when they're in the classroom. That won't make them look weird because nobody like kids push down on the chair all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kids pull up on the chair. But if you do it purposefully, that's something that can be sort of just keep you in the moment, keep you sort of get you a little bit more grounded just by pushing and pulling on a chair and letting your arms dangle down. I love doing grounding techniques. I even sometimes have kids like carry a special token or a special um, thing around sort of like a transitional object, like something they keep in their pocket. Nobody has to know it's there, but they can reach in and touch it. And that's something that helps them stay grounded. Hmm. Awesome. I love this. I love these grounding techniques. These are neat. And these are to help with anxiety, just like over the, you know, your mind just spitting out way too many worries and thoughts about things. And they can recognize that and say, okay, I can try this, this practice that, you know, Janine showed me, or maybe mommy or daddy showed me. And, and that can be a way to, that might be a great skill to practice before we, if, if your kids are going back to school to give them these skills in advance so that they're, you know, they, they have them and they have them in a toolbox before they even get to the place where they're feeling anxious. Yeah, absolutely. I always say to parents, I know it sounds weird, but I need you to try it when they're calm because trying something new when they're in panic mode, when they're in meltdown, they can't hear you. 
they can't take it in. That's no, that is not the time for learning. The time for learning is when you're ready to learn and re- and calm and pretty s- stable. You know what I mean? Like if you're having a hard time and you're really in meltdown mode, you're not going to be able to understand what like a grounding technique is. You're not going to want to listen to that. You know what I mean? So it makes it easier when you've practiced it before. So if you if you say, all right, we're going to try this, we're going to pu- try push pulled angle. Um, we can try that now. Um, and you could do like, do it at dinner and see what happens. See how people feel. Like, how did that feel in your body? Um, and then the next time they're having a hard time, you can say it, you know, the next time you're having a hard time, I wonder what would happen if you tried this. I wonder mm. how that would feel for you. Mm, I wonder what would happen. I like that. I really wonder what would happen. I'm a little bummed that I'm like at my standing desk right now because I really want to try it. <laughs> All right. So, so anxiety. So we've got three awesome grounding techniques for anxiety. We're going to practice even that. And of course that deep breathing helps move our kit. It's just, it's just our biology it just moves our bodies out of that stress response into that rest and relax response. And of course we want to practice that in the calm times too. And, and if you have really little kids, these are some things that we can do with our stuffed animals and with all those things. And and that makes it more fun and more interesting. And rather than like, oh my goodness, what is going on? (laughs) All right. So what about anger? You know, I've heard from my clients, like some real anger coming out in kids. Um, I have one client with an eight-year-old who's um, who's hitting, who's really angry, who's really angry, showing a lot of anger at the sibling. And when the parents are talking to him about it, he's really defiant and just giving them this, I don't care anything about what you say kind of stuff. So can you talk to us a little bit about how we can help kids cope with anger, how we can help parents cope with anger? Yeah, absolutely. So I, the first thing I always think about is the anger iceberg, you know, like anger is the top of the iceberg, but there are so many other emotions that fall underneath that iceberg that we might not be able to see. So anger is a great hider. Like it hides a lot of other things that are maybe a little bit more challenging and vulnerable to deal with. Like anger is actually um, something that hides anxiety really well. <laughs> Sometimes anxiety pops out as anger. Um, and that I have, I have a couple of clients that that is true for, like they are anxious, but they are, ang- they show it in anger. They have a big, um, they have big behaviors that make it seem like that's, it's an angry issue, but it actually turns out it's an anxiety issue. It could be grief. It could be embarrassment. It could be frustration. There's all sorts of things that fall under anger. So I always like to start parents off with understanding, like you are seeing anger and it's really easy to just focus on the anger because it means that you push away all the other things that it could be like what's underlying it, but it might be helpful to sort of start to excavate and see what else is underneath that. Um, in terms of anger, whenever I, um, talk with families, I always try and say to them, you know, it's okay for kids to be angry. It is okay for your child to be furious. It is not okay to hurt other people. It is not okay for them to hurt themselves. And it is not okay for them to destroy property. And those are the, those are the rules. (laughs) Like those are the, the bottom, like you can be as angry as you want to be. That is fine. You can be furious. I get it. There's a lot of things that are infuriating right now, Mm -hmm. truthfully. But it's what you do with that anger that matters the most. So what can you do to get that big emotion out of your body? Can you stomp with your foot on the ground? 
Um, can you squeeze something? Can you pop bubble wrap? Can you squeeze Theraputty? You know, Theraputty has like different um, resistances and the black one um, is really, really tough. And the yellow one's soft and the blue one's in the middle. Um, Play-Doh is also another one that really, like I used to have a, a, a student of mine, he used to squeeze Play-Doh so hard it would like come through his fingers. He was so mad, but he, lo he loved that feeling of like squeezing it so hard and letting it drop to the ground because it just getting it out in some ways that are safer and are healthier than letting the anger fester or taking it out on other people or things around you. So um, also like doing exercises, do like let's do 10 jumping jacks, let's run around the house. Like I honestly used to have my son run around the outside of our house <laughs> like, <laughs> in a circle. Like he, it's just the way our house worked and, he, and like in the way our neighborhood worked, he could run around in a circle around our house. It's like, get it out, do it, just run and get that emotion, get that, that feeling out in a safe way. Um, I, I want to make sure that people know it's okay to be angry. You can, and then if you are angry, you can channel, especially for teenagers, channel that anger into positive energy. Figure out what you can do if you are mad about something and is there a way that you can change the world? Is there a way that you can um, really channel your energy and use it in a positive way? Can you help somebody? Can you start a drive? Can you do something to make, put positive energy into the world with all of that big emotion that you have with that started as anger? How can you channel that in a healthy way? Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. We are supported by Peanut, the app that helps you meet like-minded moms and moms-to-be. Peanut provides a safe space for mothers, expectant mothers, and those trying to conceive to build friendships, ask questions, and find support. It introduces you to women nearby who are in a similar stage of life, and it provides access to a community of women who are there to listen, share information, and offer valuable advice. Whether it's understanding IVF, adoption, pregnancy, first years, nursery and beyond, Peanut is a place to connect with women like you. I have been exploring Peanut this past week and there are so many interesting moms nearby that I didn't even realize. It could relate to a bunch of them and I kind of felt excited about maybe expanding my network and finding other moms who are in a similar place to me. If you've ever struggled to meet friends or needed advice, this might be a great opportunity for you. And there's a whole diverse group of moms of all kinds and sorts. It was really interesting, the discussions that were happening on there. I invite you to download the app for free. Head to peanut.app.link slash mindful or find it on your app store. That's peanut.app.link slash mindful or find it on your app store. Download Peanut today. That's a, that's such a, that's the best way to think about it. And it's true. Like this is anger is an energy in your body. I mean, it's literally like that stress response is happening. Your muscles are tightening. Your heart is beating faster. Your body's preparing you for action, for activity. And so then when we have anger, and this is true for parents as well as kids, like when anger arises as it will, because we're human, then, um, then we, there is an energy that you need to move out of your body. I mean, I teach parents to um, 
shake it out, you know, like shake your hands and your feet and, you know, shake it, shake your whole body out uh, as a way to kind of just move that energy in the body. And it's really important to just understand that and to teach our kids that this is like, there's a biological like building up of energy and that has to be released for us to, to be doing it, um, doing anything sort of constructive with it. I love the, the squeezing and the exercises and things like that. How do you suggest parents go about helping to excavate um, what is underneath the anger? I mean, especially if kids maybe are not talkative or, or maybe you could give just a couple of ideas for, for parents to understand what's underneath the anger, you know, maybe for a, a younger kid and then maybe for an, a little bit of an older kid. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the first thing that needs to happen is, you know, when parents should have a mindset where they're thinking about themselves as the thermostat and not the thermometer. So it's really easy when your kid is angry for you to get angry too, right? Like it just, you know, like it reflects and then you're like, and then it's bigger in you and then it's bigger in them and then it's bigger in you and then you get nowhere because trust me, I've been there, I've done it. So like, it's really hard, but I think to have the mindset of, I am the thermostat. I am setting the energy in the house. I am setting the temperature as opposed to modulating with the thermometer, you know, trying to just give like going with wherever the kid is. You set the tone. So you set a tone of calm, um, even if they're not, because they're looking for calm, even if they don't seem like they are, they want calm. So I think it's just important to keep that in mind. And when they are, it, it, and first it will end. Like they, they will have those moments, but it will eventually burn itself out. And when they are calmer, that is the time where you can start to have those conversations. Maybe it's too hard to talk about um, that particular situation. Sometimes I will tell parents, depersonalize it. Just like we talked about with anxiety, depersonalize it. What would you talk about when have you noticed anger in other kids and what was underneath that? What do you think was going on for them? Use examples of like, even like you make up a, a kid, you know what I mean? Like make up this other child or um, use di- like different people in your life. Like, oh, what do you think Billy would do? What do you think, how do you think Sue would react to that? What do you think Daquan would say? You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. To sort of depersonalize it, to have the conversation. If it's too, it might be too close to them to talk about it. But if you can talk, have them start talking about anger with using somebody else, it's easier to then start talking about it with themselves. Because mm. it's, it's vulnerable. You have to make yourself vulnerable if you want to talk about it. It feels really, it, you can feel sort of like, so it feels raw. And some, so it might be easier to start with talking about somebody else. Also, I love having kids draw about it or write about it or color about it using, you color about their anger draw about your anger. So it's not necessarily talking about it. Sometimes talking is too much, but if you can do something where they can still sort of express it, but not having to use verbal language, it is also easier. Hmm. And so what, what about like a really little kids? I mean, is that where you'd kind of reach for the stuffed animals again, or the puppets or the toys and that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. That's where I'd reach for the stuffies. That's what, like, ask about what characters they love on TV and what they would do. 
Like what would mm-hmm. Paw Patrol do in this situation? Like all the little guys and Paw Patrol, guys and gals in Paw Patrol. What would Daniel Tiger do? What would Nihao Kailan do? <laughs> like, in, you know, how would she react? How have you seen her react when she gets mad? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would different cartoon characters do uh, when they get mad? That's brilliant. I love that. So, all right. So we want to kind of teach them about anger. We want to normalize it, tell them that it's okay okay to have anger, but not okay to act on it. Um, And that can be hard for, just that single step can be really hard for parents because we were taught that it's not, that anger is unacceptable. So it feels really unacceptable to us. So there's some good amount of inner work there to do. Uh, But I love what you're saying about be the thermostat rather than the thermometer because we do mirror each other's behaviors. You know, we tend to meet that behavior with, um, with meet anger with anger. But I guess part of what we can do is we can say, okay, you know, step back and say, okay, do those breaths ourselves. Step back and say, it's okay for our kids to have anger. And also to remember, dear listener, it's not your fault if your kid is angry, like people, anger arises in every single human being. And it's not, it, I think it's probably really hard to deal with because it, we feel like it's a reflection on us, right? Right. So, Absolutely. We think, we feel like we're a bad parent because our kid is angry. That's not the case. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, what if they... Um, Okay, so we want to kind of, we want to, in those in the calm moments, we want to have conversations, depersonalize it. What if our kids are really resistant to those conversations, even if we're like talking about it with other, with other kids? I mean, would you, how persistent are we going to be? When do we, when, how long does the anger and the acting out on it continue before we reach out for professional help? You know, I would say try over time because it, it may, uh, um, for a few weeks, like see what's going on. See, and I, I would also track what mm-hmm. it is when it happens, uh, what happened before that, what happened after that, what helped them calm down, um, how long it lasted. I would really be doing some data collection on the incidents because that actually might give you a little bit more insight. It's harder to, especially when we're in at home all the time, you might not actually be able to see the pattern. Um, but if you start note, if you start writing it down and noticing what was happening before, what happened during, what happened after, you might be able to see a pattern and get a little bit more information that will be helpful to you when you, if you want to go out and start talking to the pediatrician, to a therapist, you can say, these are the times when it's really challenging. Mm. Um, and then also for you. So like, you know, you can prepare. These are the times when it's really challenging. So what are the things, what are the steps I can do? How can I prepare for a situation? How can I, you know, talk with them beforehand? How can we, you know, work on some different strategies that we can use in that moment? How can we sort of prevent be as preventative as possible when it comes to managing the big, uh, you know, big anger moments. I mean, anger moments are going to happen. And it's, again, it's still okay to be angry. It just is all about how you show that. How can you show it in a way that is okay to show? Um, And, you know, I think it's really interesting, you know, sometimes kids do better um, at night 
like after mm-hmm. something has happened, I find that sometimes the best time to talk is you're tucking them in and the lights are off and they're, mm-hmm. that's when they want to talk where it feels a little bit less intimidating or in the car when they can't look you in the eye. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so wary of the car because my mom always used to like, I would be trapped in the car with her and then she would bring up all the difficult subjects. <laughs> that, that might be not the case. Well, I, you know what? I totally understand it. And so I tr- like, I, I know, I, you know, I know that feeling too. And so I, that's when Mike, my, my dad would get on me about stuff and I'd be like, it's 15 minutes till we get home. Oh no. <laughs> But so uh, the way I sort of manage it with my own kids, I'll be like, I'll just put out the nugget and be like, okay, we're moving on. I'm putting on my podcast now. Um, <laughs> let me know if you want to talk about something, but I'm moving on. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, I love this, Janine. This is awesome. So we have some some coping skills for, for stress. We have some coping skills for anxiety. You have some coping skills for anger. Are are there any kind of coping skills for for any age levels that we miss that you just love to teach parents about because they're just they're they're just so helpful? I you know I think what it I think what people need to um, recognize is that like self care includes coping skills. Um, so when parents talk about like, oh, you know, I don't have time for self-care. Like, actually, I think that you probably should make time for self-care <laughs> and you can use your coping skills to do that. Like you can, what are the things that you love to do as a kid? What are those? And you can do those, like introduce the, the games that you loved as a, as a kid to your child. Like if you love Monopoly, if you loved Clue, I totally have introduced those games to my kids. And I, like, I have them play with me all the time and it's kind of, it's fun and it relieves our stress and we get a chance to hang out and chill out and not be in super conflict or in like fun conflict because they can manage, like they're pretty good sports when it comes to games. Um, so it's, you know, I think it makes sense for parents to really think about what are my ways of coping? What are my ways of self-care? Because then you can be able to give more of yourself when you are stressed out, when you are having a hard time, when they are having a hard time, because you've taken that time to use your coping skills, to read at night if you want to, to crochet, to quilt, to garden, to do the things that you love. You matter too. Like, so you need Amen. to make sure that you do those things. <laughs> like how can you give if you have, if you've not filled yourself, you need to fill yourself and your adults use coping skills too. We all use them. We all do. So we need to just do them and use them. That's part of our self-care. And then we can be able to be present and ready when our kids need us. I love that. Amen, Janine. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so you know, I just want to um, ask this question because I think it so helps like us to understand like what's really happening in other people's families. So you have a couple of kids. They're, they've, they've grown up with a therapist who taught them to, to talk about their feelings from early ages do you have conflict in your house and what's, what kind of goes on with that? So can you just talk to us a little bit about this? Cause I think it so helps to normalize it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have a nine year old son and a 12 year old daughter. Do you think that they get along right now? Oh my goodness. It is like oil and water sometimes. It's like, let's play a game together. <laughs> like I, I have found 
you know, I, I have to work really hard to think about games that they both like, that they both can play that are age appropriate. Like it mm. is a challenge, dude. And of course, like they don't want to hang out. Like they're, mm-hmm. they are like in two completely different worlds. And my son actually said something to me really interesting the other day. He's like, I get angry really fast. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's good. Like it happens. Like he gets mad about things. Like if something doesn't work, then he throws, like he threw something the other day. He's like, I can't find it. Like, well, here we go. So like, if you were able to manage things a little bit better, I like maybe it would, you wouldn't have lost that. That's okay. We still need to figure it out. Um, It's okay that you got mad. It is okay. It is not okay to throw things. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And do you get mad sometimes? Oh my gosh. Yes. And I say that to my clients all the time. Yes. I get mad. I get furious. Ask my Mm -hmm. husband. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too, for the record. (laughs) It totally happens, you know, but I think I try to give myself grace. Like Mm -hmm. I recognize, especially at the beginning of COVID, I really struggled. I really, Mm -hmm. like I was having big moments very frequently and I had to start thinking about what is it in my life that's making it more challenging for me to be more to in, that I'm having these big moments and I really had to re-examine like how I worked because that was really what it was like I was working too much I was not doing enough playtime I was not letting myself have coping skills or giving my chance myself the opportunity to do that and it was showing up in how I was reacting And then I was like, this is not all right. I can't live like this. So (laughs) I had to change. (laughs) Yeah. And that's such a great example. Because yeah, when we're not taking care of ourselves, we have nothing to give. You know, we can't, we can't handle those things. And sometimes we're just human and we can't handle some things anyway. But we have better chance of handling it all if we're taking care of ourselves, we're practicing to lower that stress response in those calm moments. So yeah. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate your uh, your uh, candor in in uh, actually, Janine. I, I think this is amazing. I I really love like what you bring to the table, and these coping skills are so awesome. So, where can people find your book and what you do? Yeah, they can find me at copingskillsforkids.com. So over there I have the Coping Skills for Kids workbook as well as a teen workbook that just came out right at the beginning of COVID, actually. Um, but it's I love both of the books, um, especially the one for teens. It's just been really on my heart to really write something to uh, aimed at that age range because they really just need a lot of help and understanding. And people have been responding really well to it. Um, and so, yeah, they can just come on over to copingskillsforkids.com. I really appreciate what you're doing. I'm really glad that your husband said, why don't you go write that book? Because you've put together a lot of, a lot of great skills here. And these are the things, these are the tools that are, help us do everything else, you know, academic achievement, whatever success in life. Like if you don't have these skills, you're not, you're not these are the things we really, really need our kids to have. And we can practice them ourselves and set that example ourselves. And your, your work is awesome. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. This is so much fun. Thanks for listening. I know that my kids need these coping skills and I imagine your kids need these coping skills too. So we can practice them, we can walk the talk, and we can teach them to our kids. 
in that calm moment. Remember that. And we can get through this together, calmer, more resilient maybe than ever before. I believe it's possible. And I want to hear what happens for you. If you practice these, I want to hear about it, whatever you're taking from it. I'd love to know. Take a screenshot of whatever device you're listening to this on and and tag me on Instagram. That's a great way to do it. And I'm at, at Mindful Mama Mentor. And, uh, and it's such a cool way to see um, what you're thinking, which, which episodes you're listening to. I love that. It really makes, uh, makes me smile to see that. And um, if you want to, you know, if you want to go further, you want to work with me a little bit more, take it beyond the podcast. Take it beyond just the earphones. Come hang out with me in the Mindful Parenting free live training. Uh, that's at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. And we're going to be doing that September 9th through 14th, 2020. Sign up. It's totally free. It's a no brainer to join. And we'll even um, record the, you'll be able to check out the court recordings for a few days afterwards, even too. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great thing to do. You'll learn a lot. It'll shift your mindset, I promise. And uh, it already has a lot of energy, which is super cool. So I hope you'll be there too. And then I'm starting to talk to people about the group coaching. So if you're interested, want to take it deeper, go to mindfulmamamentor.com and you'll find information about all this stuff. And I'm wishing you a beautiful week. I'm wishing you well. We're going to have an episode coming up about homeschooling and about setting up your environment for your kids, uh, learning, setting up a learning environment for your kids, how to do that well. So that's coming up real soon. We might even try to do it as a bonus episode. So pay attention for that. That's coming up. And um, we're going to have some awesome episodes coming up. We're going to be talking to... um, uh, we're going to be doing another special on our coaching session. We're going to be talking about coping skills for kids next week with Janine Halloran. So lots of great stuff coming up. And yeah, I wish you a beautiful week. I wish you moments of peace. I wish you moments of laughter and just like snuggling up with those little ones. Enjoy it as best you can. And I will be practicing to do that too. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. I am so honored to be here with you. Thank you. Namaste.